It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right. Uh, welcome in, everybody. Great to have you with us here. It is uh, Patrick Johnson. It is the Patrick Johnson Show. 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media app. Pilk, I hate to tell you this, but could you come and just uh, pump this up a little more? The intro sounds fine. I can't sound. And if I can't hear myself, I don't know if I'm going to hear the great Doug Martin, who's going to join us here in about 15 minutes. Ah, there we go. The docile tones. Ah, oh, so, so buttery, silky in my ear, Pilk buttery silky the docile tones in my ear i'll tell you how how baller i am today this is not even the shirt the the coat i'm wearing tonight on the tv i've got a whole different ensemble for television this guy he's bougie as heck ladies and gentlemen you can tell you can tell he went to a private high school yes buttery for 13 years not the high school the whole school but buttery smooth warm buttery smooth is how i would describe my tones right now right I, I, yeah and i will be happily wearing the most comfortable clothes i can find while i'm producing in the station oh there. i'm terribly uncomfortable right now terribly uncomfortable uh it's great to have you with us uh as the great ben swain uh tweeted out let me see if i can find it uh huge day for high school football players all over the country making the decision about which college program they'll transfer transfer from this time next year Bum bum bum. It's a good tweet. Good tweet. All right, we're gonna get uh, Coach Martin on in a little bit, but right now, let's get ready to go over some of this uh, signing day information with Coach Mike Houston. Comments fresh and hot off the press in our Pirate Report. Hit it, Pilk. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, Coach Houston on how signing day has changed. Signing day has changed so much over the years, uh, but uh, uh, still it is just a a huge day for uh, all these young men and their families. Uh, And, you know, you, you think back to, you know, all the signing days over the years and even back to, you know, the day that I signed. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, it's just a special moment that these uh, these young men will never forget. All right, Pilk, this is a long one. You ready, Coach Houston? Breaking down the class, position, and geography. Uh, you know, very excited about the class that we signed today. Um, signed a total of twenty uh, new pirates. Uh, Eighteen of those uh, are high school signees. Two are junior college signees. Um, we signed 12 uh, offensive players, eight defensive players, um, and just you know, looking a, a pretty good uh, uh, you know, scattering of uh, you know, where they're from background-wise uh, from all over the uh, East Coast up and, up and down the uh, Eastern Seaboard. So um, you know, very pleased uh, with the way the class uh, ended up. Uh, obviously, you know, the class started way back in uh, March with Trenton Cloud being our first commit uh, and excited that, uh, you know, he finished it off. 
Uh, but along the way, uh, you know, putting this together throughout the uh, throughout the summer uh, and the fall, uh, just feel really, really good uh, about the quality of players. Uh, I think this is a very high end talent uh, class, uh, but feel equally as good about the character uh, and just the, the families uh, that are joining us today uh, and just you know can't wait to, to get them here. Uh, eight of them will be mid-year enrollees, uh, so they will be here the first week of January, uh, and then the rest of them will get here in either May or June. So uh, a big day for Pirate Nation. Uh, big day for our football program, uh, and you know the first uh, you know key pieces uh, added to our current roster for next year's uh, football team. One of the uh, kind of local kids it was good to see uh, as I'm thumbing through some of this right now was uh, Omari and Lewis, who will be an early or is projected to be an early enrollee. He's the defensive back from Tarboro. So there you go. It's good to get a local kid like that. That's kind of a true Eastern North Carolina kid in on the uh, roster. All right. Uh, obviously, there were some changes defense or offensively for ECU. What uh, kept this staff together or this recruiting class together by the staff? Let's hear it. Well, I think, you know, a couple of reasons for that. And, you know, one is just a lot of hard work went into putting this class together by both our recruiting staff uh, and our coaching staff. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, Scott Gasper did a good job of coordinating all those efforts. Uh, and I know, you know, just from my perspective, uh, I, I probably spent more time, you know, individual with each of these kids this year than I ever have in my career. I mean, Scott did a great job of organizing us and keeping us on task. And he talked about the class staying in touch. Another reason I think is just, you know, this class, you know, they really bonded uh, over the summer uh, and going into the fall. And I think they have, you know, kept in very, very close touch. Uh, you know, Cole Hodge really was, you know, I think a big, a big piece of that from a leadership standpoint, uh, I, I told him I was going to, have to put him on payroll. Uh, you know, he, he's always texting me about different players and this and that and the other. But I think he did a great job of keeping this this group, uh, you know, engaged with each other uh, throughout the year. And, and they they have a pretty strong bond already, uh, even though they've you know never been here together. That's uh, cool to hear. Let's uh, hear from Coach on what stood out about the signees. Well, I, th I think that uh, you know some of the things that stood out are things that we all know. Uh, but I think sometimes we don't realize the impact they have on recruiting. Um, you know, probably the, the single biggest uh, factor that they all were uh, very passionate about was the game day environment that we have here at East Carolina, uh, the passion of our fan base. Um, you know, I'm obviously biased, uh, but I think that Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, uh, when it's rocking in the fall, is, you know, the best venue in the country. And, uh, you know, the way our fans interact with the team on game day uh, obviously stood out to these to these guys. I mean, you know, a couple of these guys, uh, you know, have been coming here for multiple years, uh, seeing games here. So it wasn't just you know something they saw this fall, but a lot, you know, from what they've seen historically uh, here. But uh, and I think another piece is just the history uh, of the program and some of the the players that have come out of here. I think certainly everybody is seeing what uh, Jaquan and and Keaton. Uh, have done this year uh, on, on the professional level, but I think just the performance of our our players uh, historically and currently, uh, you know, after 
leaving here is it was a factor also all right a few more i want to get to here it's our pirate report on national signing day and uh this is uh coach talking uh, more about cole hodge recruiting others to come to ecu and using the commits to help recruit oh there's no doubt i mean i i promise you cole's smart enough to know this you know his his ability on the field as a quarterback is going to be directly related to you know the receivers he has the running backs the offensive linemen uh and so you know that's that's something that uh you know he understood and, and had good relationships with those guys but you know really really we've we've done that uh you know every year with uh, our signing classes you know you find a couple of guys once they get solid solidly committed you know you try to use them to help recruit the rest of the class and uh and certainly i think that was part of the case this year too all right and uh coach on the uh freshman and can they expect to play I don't know. We'll see. You know, that's that's the, you know, one one thing that certainly uh, happens, and you know this as well as anybody. You know, every one of these kids thinks they're going to come in and they're going to play as a freshman, uh, and you know, some may, uh, but it is very very hard to play as a true freshman in college, uh, especially on the line because you know the size, strength, and ability of uh, of the players uh, at this level. And I think certainly, uh, you know, with our with our returning guys up front, uh, we have a pretty strong group right there. So uh, we'll see. Now, I feel very, very good about this group. And I mean, uh, all those guys, uh, in my opinion, are going to be you know really, really good players uh, when their day does come. So uh, we'll, we'll find out. All right. And uh, Coach Houston elaborating further on keeping the class intact after changes to the coaching staff. Well, you know, that's, that is always the challenge when you have uh, staff change. Uh, you know, for whatever reason is, you know, they've, they've, they've built strong relationships with the commits. Uh, and, you know, the, you know, once we, we start out, you know, recruiting areas and then once, we, you know, a kid uh, gets a scholarship offer from us, you know, it becomes the guys, the coaches are recruiting their position. Uh, so uh, that is something we had to work really, really hard uh, with some of the staff adjustments that uh, we've had over the last uh, couple of months. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something that we had to work through. Uh, I do think that our new staff members did a great job uh, of Im- immediately hitting the ground running and establishing relationships, and they're still building these relationships. You know, some of the staff have been here a very short time right now, but uh, they've worked very, very hard to start building positive relationships with the players and their families. Uh, I still go back to this. Uh, another, you know, big key was, you know, Scott really, you know, having having me you know so so close with these players and families as you still had that that connection with the program uh through our relationship and so i, th- I think that uh, probably helped smooth everything over also All right and uh let's uh, get more on the early enrollees from coach houston well, I wish we could get them all in here early. I mean, that'd be that'd be ideal, and all of them wanted to. But uh, you know, it just depends on their high school, and you know, some schools don't allow you to graduate mid-year. Some do. Uh, really, to graduate mid-year, you've got to you got to start planning it out. You know, pretty early in your high school career to make sure you got the credits and everything lined up. So uh, you know, we 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 want any any kid we can get because you know, get them here in January, get them lifting, go through spring practice. Uh, get their ground, their, their feet on the ground academically. It just prepares them to to be set up to have a a really successful freshman year. So, um, you know, the guys that are going mid mid year, we mentioned Omar, T.J. Engelman, uh, the running back uh, from Ohio, kind of Georgia. Uh, so, uh, uh, Jason Tarpe, uh, transfer junior college offensive lineman from Lackawanna. 
uh, Katie Small uh, transfer, uh, offensive lineman out of Alabama, um, Shy Thompson, uh, our other Shrine Bowl guy, uh, Sam Riddy uh, from Charleston, South Carolina, big defensive end, um, J5, we mentioned him already, a slot receiver, uh, and KJ Merrill. Uh, so those guys will be our mid-year guys. All right, last thing for you here. Uh, let's do 14 Pilk on the vast soundbite roster. This is uh, Coach Houston talking about the aforementioned uh, Omari and Lewis from Tarboro. Could not be more excited. Uh, certainly Omar has uh, grown up uh, watching the Pirates play, being from Tarboro. Uh, and certainly you know, Coach Craddock has done such an exceptional job there with that program, uh, perennially competing for the state championship. Uh, it's great to get uh, get one of his players here, and uh, you know Omar, uh, you know wanted to be here, and he, he never wavered on that, and uh, he did did the work he had to do to make sure he could graduate early, uh, so he will be a mid-year enrollee, uh, and can't wait to can't wait to get him here in January. Now, you know once he gets in that weight room with Big John and the crew mid-January, he may be doubting some stuff, but uh, he he's going to be a big joker now. He's got he's got a long frame. So in all, 20 student-athletes have signed a national letter of intent with the Pirates on the NCAA's early signing period today. All right, uh, we're going to talk uh, some more college football with uh, Doug Martin. Coach is going to join us on this uh, chilly Wednesday. We got Pirate basketball coming your way tonight. 6.30 the airtime, 7 o'clock the tip against Delaware State on uh, 94.3 The Game right here and 107.9 WNCT and the IBX Media app. More of the Patrick Johnson Show. Stay tuned. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thanks for being with us here today on the uh, Patrick Johnson Show. we got pirate basketball coming up. Let's talk some college football uh, with one of our most popular guests donning his uh, New Orleans Breakers uh, garb, the great Doug Martin, one-time ECU offensive coordinator, coached at two of the most pie jobs you'll have in college coaching, Kent State, New Mexico State, and now... He fishes and does a little bit of offensive coordinating, but he's mainly a fisherman this this stage in his life. So, Doug, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Patrick. How about yourself? Doing well. Uh, we have uh, what's well, National Signing Day. I want you're you're equipped to talk about this because you haven't been out of that aspect of your coaching life that long. Uh, this early mid to late December signing period is a real problem for coming. The coach at Texas San Antonio was talking about it last night after their bowl win against, uh, you know, uh, uh, Marshall. It really has truncated, especially if you're going to a bowl. I mean, if you make your conference championship game, you go to a bowl. I mean, those recruiting weekends, all of a sudden, you maybe have more people on campus than you really want. So you can't spend time with, I don't know if February's too late. Uh, December seems too early. So just what's your opinion on all that? Yeah, I, I would tell you this. For, they really need to look at the, the NFL model of how to run programs in, in that in that realm, Patrick, because the recruiting calendar for college football and the season calendar do not match. It's just like you said, if you go to a bowl game, you almost get penalized right. because you have to be practicing, preparing, you can't get visits and all those type of things. And, and the signing dates are right in the middle of the bowl season. All of that really needs to be pushed back 
I mean, you, there's no why, why couldn't you sign guys in April? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, yeah. there's no problem with that, you know, or the end of February or March. But it needs to be pushed back to where the season is completed and then recruiting can really take place. And I would go as far as to say this, you know, in the NFL and professional football, you can't hire a coach right after the season. You know, there's a there's a period right. that you have to go through before you can hire. They really should implement that in college football also. That way you don't have people jumping from job to job in the middle of bowl season and all those type of things or trying to hire somebody in the middle of bowl season uh, and ruining that part of this because the season is still ongoing. Uh, and it's like they don't protect the season at hand. So – I really think those are two things that college football should look at. You shouldn't be able to hire anybody until after the season is completed. And recruiting, signing dates should not happen until the season is completed. January, mid-January work, or do you think that doesn't work because you don't have the chance to go out and do the visits? Uh, you know, it, it could work maybe as an early – so you could do the same thing, have an early signing period right. there in January and then back one up again until, you know, the 1st of March or early yeah. March, something like that. So, you know, if you get some mid-year guys, they still have a chance to get in for spring practice and those type of things. But um, you don't negate what's going on already with, with your season. I, I think that's the biggest thing is protecting the season because I'm watching the bowl games now – I mean, if they're not careful, bowl games are going to come become irrelevant because it's it's such bad football right now. When you look at, you know, the players that are opting out, and this guy's not playing, and that guy's not playing, and this coaching staff's different because they just got there. And I mean, the level of football in these early bowl games that I've seen has just been awful. Doug Martin joining us uh, here, Coach Martin on the Patrick Johnson Show. We're wishing him and his family a Merry Christmas. Are you going anywhere, Coach, or do you, are you keeping it local? Uh, we're staying right here. Got some of the kids, grandkids coming in. And then, uh, of course, uh, we're getting ready for our season. We'll be kicking yeah. off. We'll be going to training camp in February and then uh, into another season uh, with the new merger between USFL and XFL. Going to be a little bit different now. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. Have you uh, fished today? <laughs> that's a good question uh, I, I did not today i did not okay. today because I, I had some of the grandkids coming in but i'm ah, out tomorrow okay there you go uh doug martin with us uh here okay um w- wanted to ask you a little bit about some of the bowl games that have been completed uh to this point western kentucky and old dominion uh, our guy our friend our colleague jay sunholder was actually on the radio call for that nationally and you know, I saw where it was like 28 nothing at one point, 28-7 or something like that. And, and Old Dominion looked to be cruising. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Western Kentucky got hot. So is it a great comeback or is it that bad football that you mentioned? I, I think it's a lot of bad football. I, I'll be honest with you, Patrick. You know, I, I have to evaluate a lot of quarterbacks and skilled players in our job now you know so we look across the country because we have a draft for this league that we're in and those type of things we're trying to pick up players and I mean the quarterback play now in college football compared to what it was 10 years ago is it's it's a disgrace it really is I I hate to say that but it's like no quarterbacks are being coached and you know when you look at it in terms of the NFL and professional football, you you have to line up under the center. You can't just be in a shotgun all the time because your snap count becomes irrelevant. Right. It's not a weapon anymore, and the defense gets a jump on you. And those defensive linemen in professional football are, are no joke, as, as we all know. 
college football, you, you literally have to teach a college quarterback how to take a snap from under center now, how to drop back footwork, because everything is about RPOs right. and, you know, and a quarterback run game where the quarterback is really just a glorified running back now. And, you know, that's where the game has gone a little bit. And even in professional football, it has a little bit. You look at people like Jalen Hurts and Mahomes and those people mm-hmm. that can do that, but they still are able to drop back and throw a ball. And that's what's really missing right now. It's hard for us to find quality, skilled guys uh, that are prepared. Uh, last night, UTSA defeated Marshall in the Scooter's Coffee Frisco Bowl. Who knew Pilk Scooter had his own coffee? But I know, uh, right? The, he's a jack of all trades. He's well. I knew he was. He was doling out beverages. I didn't know he was doling out coffee. But uh, all right. So uh, UTSA and Marshall. Uh, and UTSA wins that one handily. Uh, it just seems like that program, as we have talked about, uh, Coach Martin, is just poised to continue an ascent up now that they're in the American. UTSA is, is, a, is really in a good position. They're in a great area for recruiting. You know, I was at New Mexico State. We pretty much just recruited Texas. I mean, the high, the high school football in Texas is phenomenal. And there's players left over there that don't go anywhere that should be playing college football just because there's so many of them. So San Antonio is in a great area. Um, They've got a great facility to play in. Football is really important to that school. Uh, And they made an investment. They made a big-time investment. So, yeah, I'm with you. They they could be another one of those teams like a Houston that, you know, years from now gets to move up to a power conference just because of – the commitment that they have to football. They're in a great city too. Uh, and uh, they're in a part of the city where they're, they're close to Austin as well, relatively speaking. I mean, there's, there's a lot of benefits to where they're located in, uh, in Texas as well. Uh, and like I said, a great city. They've made the commitment. Uh, I, I think it's a matter of time before the Roadrunners are. And look, they they were right there this year, vying for the chance to yeah. play in the championship game after kind of a rough start. So uh, we'll talk about some of the other bowl games uh, if we can hold you through for a segment uh, after this. I just I, I like rolling out there because you know a lot of these guys personally or know of them or have watched them at some point this year. So I think that's really fun to do and people like hearing uh hearing that from you but i want to ask you about uh did you get a chance to watch the panthers falcon slop fest sunday i did not see that game okay well i was going to ask you uh about uh i didn't see the game okay because bryce young had a great last drive but you've watched a lot of bryce young he looked like bryce young of uh that would be the guy you build your franchise around. And, and it did it in a driving rain, which was, I, I thought, real impressive. Right. He's a talented guy. He just has nothing around him right now. I mean, first of all, he's not protected. He, he He's taken a beating. And what you really worry about is confidence coming out of this year because of all that and the injury-wise. But, you know, they don't protect him well enough. And then, obviously, there's not the players around him that he needs right. to be successful. He's not a guy that's going to take a game over by himself because of his size right now. But – the guy can play. One th- it reminds me of something you've talked about is if you're a quarterback, do you end up in the right situation? And I've had a lot of people, a couple people ask me that listen to this segment because you're on it. They don't listen to the show, just the segment with you. But they asked me, uh, can coach, you ever, ever ask coach to elaborate on that? And I've forgotten to ask you that probably since October. So this seems like a good, when you say a guy's got to wind up, wind up in the, the right system, that yeah, I, I think we all understand that. 
but how layered is that? I mean, how meticulous? When, when you say that, I know it's just not saying, well, he's got to go to the right place. There, there's a lot uh, that goes into that. There is a lot that goes to a player being at the right place at the right time. And I gave you the example of Julian Edelman. If Julian Edelman doesn't go to the New England Patriots, you've never heard of him. I'm just telling you, because of the coaching staff there and their value in developing players. You know, Julian played quarterback his whole uh, college career, his whole career. He didn't play wide receiver until he got to the Patriots. Right. But they saw something that they thought that they could develop, and then they took the time to develop him. If he goes anywhere else, it doesn't happen. I, I, and and I can, there's, I've told you this too, Patrick. There has been more really good quarterbacks ruined than there has been right. made. Right. You know, I mean, Marcus Russell was a tremendous college quarterback, absolutely ruined in professional football because he didn't get the right coaching at the right time when he needed it. There's a lot to coaching a quarterback. And if you don't have the right guy, I don't care how talented a guy is or how you know fast he is, all that stuff. If you can't coach the quarterback, and that means from a scheme, uh, a scheme venue to footwork to the mentality and the emotions of playing the, the position of quarterback, you, you don't have a chance. And there's very few, in my opinion, there's very few guys that are really developing quarterbacks, especially at the college level right now. All right. Uh, we're going to run through some bowl games coming up in the next segment. And uh, since Coach Martin's not fishing today, we're not keeping him from anything. And uh, we're giving him a reprieve from the grandkids, maybe, perhaps. And uh, Philip's going to have a, an update and a pirate report. And then we'll come back with more with Doug Martin here on the PJ Show. Thank you, P-Man. Starting with National Signing Day, the Pirates have welcomed 20 new newcomers to the football program from high school and junior college ranks. The basketball team will be in action tonight against Delaware State. Coach Schwartz gave us a scouting report on the Hornets. Really good Delaware State team coming in here. A lot of respect for uh, Coach Waterman and their program. Uh, I've watched them play a lot this year, including last night versus Wake Forest. And real challenge uh, for our guys. I mean, uh, very, three very, very good guards in Robinson, Tavares, and Munez. Uh, team with really good size, rebounds the ball very well. They're plus six on the glass this season and uh, do a lot of things that will pose a challenge for us tomorrow evening. That game can be heard right here on 94.3 The Game and our sister station 107.9 network coverage starts at 6.30. Also a reminder, tomorrow the women's game will be at 1 o'clock as they host Charleston Southern. That game we heard right here on 94.3 The Game with Scooter calling that contest. Former Pirate baseball coach Billy Godwin has announced he is stepping away as head coach of UNCG and will take a scouting job with the New York Yankees. Coach Godwin was with the Pirate program from 2006 to 2014. McCain snapped a two-game losing skid last night with a 6-3 win over Vegas. Andre Svechnikov netted the first goal of the contest in his return to the Canes lineup. The Canes will be back in action tomorrow when they travel up to the Steel City to take on Sid the Kid and the Penguins. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, we will have more with Doug Martin as we preview upcoming bowl games around the country. We are. We are. We are. Riding shotgun with you on the drive home. It's showtime. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right. uh, Thanks for being with us here today. Uh, Coach Doug Martin. Good enough to hang through a segment. So, Coach, uh, no bowl games tonight. So we get a reprieve from, as you put it, rotten football. Well, you said so bad. Well. I'm, I'm making it rotten. Yeah, so far. Just, just so far. So, so far. far. Right. 
Uh, let's uh, just start with one tomorrow. Uh, Golish is the new coach at South Florida. He did an amazing job to get them to a bowl game this year. They'll play Syracuse tomorrow down in Boca Raton at the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Well, there's an example of what we just talked about, right? Syracuse has a whole new coaching staff now. Yeah. And, you know, what are they going to look like, right? Nobody knows. And, and that that goes back to my point. You shouldn't be able to make those coaching changes till after the season just so you have some continuity in what's going on and things like that. So, yeah, that's one of those games that's going to be impossible to predict because you just don't know, you know, who's opting out, who's not, what has that coaching staff at Syracuse been able to do so far. That, they're in a really difficult situation. I mean, that that's really tough. Can a place like Syracuse have big success? You know, uh, when I was at East Carolina in the 90s, Syracuse was dominant, and they were because they had a foothold in Florida recruiting. They were getting phenomenal players out of Florida. And then all of a sudden you had the emergence of, you know, a South Florida, Central Florida. Right. All these other programs in Florida started popping FAU, up. FAU, FAU, yeah. Yeah, all that. It cut, cut into the recruiting base. Um, and then now you, you start to get where you're paying players – so now, geographically, if a coach has a tie somewhere, it doesn't matter as much anyway because they're, they're looking for, for money. So that really hurt their program from a recruiting standpoint. I don't, they really have never recovered to find a recruiting niche since that point. I heard something the other day. They've not had back-to-back winning seasons, I think, in like 15 years or something wow. like that. Wow. That's and hard that's to believe. Why. Yeah, that's, that's so hard why. to believe. I mean, they've had some, now, they've had some good years in there, but not back-to-back. And the, the reason is they don't have a recruiting base, I would bet, right now that is able to, to flourish for them. You know, because obviously you're almost in Canada, so it's a tough place <laughs> to recruit people to begin with, right? Uh, speaking of the um, state of Florida, the Gasparilla Bowl, uh, Georgia Tech and Central Florida, two teams that got kind of better as the year went along. And, uh, I mean, Georgia Tech played Georgia really, really tough in the in the last game of the regular season. And, and UCF kind of had to win to get in down the stretch. So, uh, two teams that at least come in hot. And there's coaching continuity there. At least the head coaches are, are back. There, there is. And I'll tell you what, Georgia Tech has a really good – I don't know those coaches. I don't know any of those guys personally. But I've watched them from afar and know of them. And that is one of the coaching staffs that I would really say, man, they're, they're ahead of the game of most college programs because they're into developing players. They do a great job of coaching. They know who they are, and they play to their strengths. They're very fundamentally sound, uh, and they, they just seem to do things the right way. I, I've been really impressed with the coaching staff at Georgia Tech. I, I would uh, expect them to play very well in that bowl game. That might be an interesting game. That could actually be maybe the beginning of a better game. You know, yeah. You know, when you have this long to prepare, too, it's it's different. You know, now, right. depending on opt, opt outs and all that type of stuff. I don't know who's opting out of the game and all those things, but to, especially offensively, when you play in a bowl game, you better bring something different to the bowl game that 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 team has not been able to scout and see. Because I'm just telling you, when you have that long to prepare. Um, it's a, it's a struggle. I made that mistake when I was a coordinator at East Carolina. We yeah. played TCU in the bowl game. Right. And we just we were just stale. We didn't have enough new things going that game. Uh, a couple of years later, we played uh, Texas Tech uh, in the bowl game. Mike Leach <laughs> was head coach, and we wore them out. Right. Because we came in with about two or three different things that they hadn't seen, 
And that, that's just, you know, it's live and learn, but that's what you have to do for bowl games. Now, Doug, are you talking when you say something like that, a uh, just a wrinkle, a, a series of plays that maybe you didn't run a whole lot of, different formations, uh, trick plays? Yeah, what are you talking about there? It, it's not necessarily trick plays, but scheme. You, you, some type of different scheme, formation, in, formations, motions, something different that they haven't prepared for. You know, like the Texas Tech – uh, you know, we had run a little bit of trap option during the year, but all of a sudden we highlighted that in that game, and they were not prepared for that at all. And that was one of the things we did to them. And, and they were a big blitz team, a big zone blitz team. We had not been a big screen team, but we used the screen passes as a way to negate their blitz package and uh, put them into some audibles and things like that. And, you know, it just worked really well for us. And uh, so that was uh, one of the better games we had, one of the better bowl games. From noon to past midnight, you'll have bowl game action on Saturday. So let me ask you about a couple of games. Troy and Duke. Uh, Troy's head coach leaves. Uh, Duke, <laughs> yeah. obviously Mike Elko famously left in the middle of the night. So, you, again, this is a great illustration of what you're – I mean, you know, they're going to be in yeah. Birmingham, nice place for a bowl. Pirates were there last year, and you just don't know what you're going to get out of this. You don't, and and again, you don't know what players have already. Well, Riley Leonard transferred to Notre Dame, so yeah, right. He wasn't going to play anyway, probably. And probably some of those guys are going to jump in the portal and follow the coach that's leaving to wherever he's going. Uh, You know, so there's all sorts of things like that. I just, I I think that's where that's really a shame too, Patrick. Are the seniors that are on that football team? Just think about these guys have, have Troy had been down for years. You know, now all of a sudden these seniors have worked their tail off to get to this level. And this bowl game, you know, may not go well for them just because, you know, coach leaves, players opt out. All right, the time. It's right. the seniors that get kind of screwed in this whole thing. It's really a shame because bowl games are fun and you have a great time. But I'll tell you the thing you remember from a bowl game, the score. <laughs> when, when, you get, when you get 10 years down the road, yeah. I'm just telling you, when you get 10 years down the road, the only thing you remember is did we win that game? Yeah. Um, one game I think will be interesting just because it's going to be a national showcase. JMU winds up getting in. The NCAA actually got something right for once. And uh, they're going to play Air Force. That is a game that will be 3.30 in the Lockheed Martin Air Force uh, Air Forces or Armed Forces Bowl, excuse me, in Fort Worth, Texas. We're speaking of TCU where they play. Um, so this is what a great opportunity. I mean, look how far JMU's come or how quickly they've they've come in this amount of time or how far they've come in a quick amount of time. Yeah, and that's that's been a program that's a lot like Boise. It's won at every level, right? When they were FCS, they won. People won national championships there. Several different coaches have won there. It's one of those places where it's just got a great tradition. So, uh, But what they've done to move up to FBS the way they did was remarkable and should be rewarded. I don't understand. I've never understood why the NCAA would penalize a team for right. doing well when they, when they should be at a disadvantage moving up that fast. So – Makes no sense. But again, you're talking about a team that's without a head coach now. Their head coach left. Right. So, right. You know, they don't have, and they're playing a military team that does have a very, you know, consistent head coach and coaching staff that's been phenomenal. I, I wouldn't doubt that Air Force may beat them pretty good. Uh, a few, a couple more I want to ask you about uh, here, if you'll, if you'll indulge me, coach. Um, Utah Northwestern. I only bring this up because when you look at where Northwestern was at the beginning of the season, everything going on with the Pat Fitzgerald deal and, and all those accusations swirling around, for them to hold it together enough to get enough wins to go to a bowl game 
is pretty amazing. Utah was hurt all year. Utah probably would have been in the playoff conversation had they not had the injuries they had. Yeah, tremendous job by Northwestern. All the, the distractions and the things that they had going on had to deal with. It's hard enough to win football games when everything is going well. But when you have to deal with all the off-the-field things that they had, an interim head coach, and then becomes the head coach, and, and that, that's some some tough stuff. So, I, man, all the respect in the world to them. I would say they're getting ready to open up against a juggernaut in Utah. They will play really well in the bowl game yeah. because – you know, Whittingham is a defensive guy. He's had all this time to study them. He'll have something really good defensively. That it'll be tough for Northwestern to score points in that game. A uh, couple other, or one other from uh, Saturday. The and by the way, that's the Las Vegas Bowl we just talked about. This is the Hawaii Bowl, uh, Coastal Carolina and San Jose State. Let's see if Coastal has a better showing in Hawaii than what they did uh, last year against East Carolina. Of course, they were same thing. They were going through a. Coach had left. They were in a uh, an interim deal. That that guy had no control over them. They looked ill prepared. So you know right. you got Beck there. So uh, you know he's he's done a fine enough job. Of course they lost their quarterback. He's transferred to NC State. Yeah. And then San Jose State. You know every so often they pop up and they have uh, a season or two that are pretty good. The excellent coaching staff, San Jose State. I mean they do a great job of coaching there and developing players. They always have good quarterback play. Um, you know, I played against them several times when I was at New Mexico State, and that's it's a tough job. That's a really tough job, uh, but they do a great job there. They have since Brent's been the head coach there for a while, and they've done phenomenal. The biggest deal about that bowl game is who can handle the trip to Hawaii. Right. I mean, you know, I play, played there a few times too, and there's a lot of distractions on that on that game now. So, you know, can your players put aside where we are and get, get back to playing? And San Jose State will do that because they've made that trip a lot of times playing in the white. Right. And it won't be much of a distraction for them as it will probably Coastal. Long way from uh, Honolulu to Conway. Uh, just Long way. About yeah. as far as you can go. Yeah. Um, when you would go there, it was a regular season game that you would go to when you would play yeah. Hawaii. How, how was the yeah. travel different in that one? Uh, you know, it's a little tough. The time change hits you a little bit. You have to decide, you know, are we going to stay on our time, which was mountain time for us, and just adjust, or are you going to try to get on Hawaii time once you get there? Usually we would get out there on a Thursday, try to get there on a Thursday night and just get the kids in, put them in bed, have all day Friday to adjust and acclimate and then play the game. Um Honestly, the tougher part, Patrick, was the game after that. Right, because, right. You know, by the time you fly back home, it's really late. You almost lose a day. And, man, your players are just exhausted you know, for the next couple of days. It's really hard if you don't have an open date after that game. The, the next game's the one that gets you. All right. Uh, a couple of things I just want to mention here. The day after Christmas, Rice is in a bowl again. A great coaching job there for for Rice of all places to get, to get bowl eligible. I think it's big for Kansas. They were in the top twenty five at points this year. They're playing UNLV uh, in Phoenix in the uh, Guaranteed Rate Bowl. A um, couple others. The uh, Wednesday, uh, the twenty seventh, Virginia Tech in Tulane. Uh, the upheaval, the change at Tulane. A disappointing into the season after they were living on the edge and they were kind of locked in for a New Year's Six Bowl. So uh, Virginia Tech, who ended up putting together a pretty decent season, all things considered, I, this seems to be another one of those want-to games. Who, who really wants to be here? Yeah, I think it probably is. And, and again, you don't know what 
Tulane has coaching staff wise, you know, how many guys stayed, how many didn't, what continuity is there. It's it's hard to, you know, imagine what they're going to be like. Virginia Tech, you never – honestly, you never know with them because they've been so up and down on offense. Yeah. You, you don't know if they're going to be able to score points or not. And, you know, I always said Virginia Tech was one of my dream jobs as an offensive coordinator because <laughs> if you go there – all you got to do is score 14 points a game. The right. defense is going to score. Bud Foster was going to score a touchdown, and special teams is going to score a touchdown. <laughs> You're going to average 30 points a game. Right. But for whatever reason, they have never haven't been able to put together a good offense for a long time at that place. If they ever did, it would be remarkable. How tough was Bud Foster to, to scheme for? Man, Bud was a great, great coach. And I, and I tell you why, because he, he disguised things so well. And they always stemmed the front. The defensive front, it was always moving. It was always changing. You really had – your snap count had to be a weapon playing them. If you sat up there and had a long snap count, they were going to show your quarterback three different looks before the ball was snapped. Uh, you know, Frank Beamer, phenomenal coach, Bud Foster, all those guys that were there. That was uh, – they were as tough as anybody we ever played. Uh, last one I'm going to ask you about here is the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Uh, because when our show airs next Wednesday, it'll be going on. So just wanted to get you on before that, you know, the game kicks there. Uh, the people in Charlotte have to be happy. The tour, because it's North Carolina and it's West Virginia, and West Virginia is not a, a bad trip at all down to Charlotte. Uh, so you you got to think the fans will be there. Neil Brown was on a hot seat. I don't know how much of one he's on now, but he's got West Virginia back in the postseason. And then, you know, there's obviously been a lot surrounding opt-outs and uh, guys going to the draft for UNC. They've had some guys get into the portal. Mac Brown uh, today was uh, jaw-jacking in the press back at Dave Doran. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack with the UNC situation uh, there. But uh, uh, how do you see that when UNC and West Virginia? Well, I, I think West Virginia probably has more continuity right now than, than UNC because of what you said, you know, the guys going in the transfer portal and guys opting out. Drake May, I'm assuming, is not playing in that game, right? So, nope. I mean – that's a big difference when you don't have him. But, you know, he – I mean, he's responsible for a lot of North Carolina wins by himself. So, I'd, I'd give West Virginia a great shot in that game. All right, we're going to cut it off there because I don't want to take up all of Coach's time. Right, now, are, are we, have we overstayed our welcome? Can we get you next week or do we need to not plan on having you next Wednesday? Just tell me. You're not going to offend I, I me. Will, yeah, I will be out of, the, out, of the, uh, out of touch next week. Okay. I'll be out of touch. All right. Got to do some work on my own here. Pilkington built uh, uh, books on Halter now. All right. Well, Coach, thank you for your help all season. Maybe before the national championship or the national semifinals, we'll catch you that way. We'll figure it out. But thank That'd you. Be great. I've enjoyed it. I wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. I met your wife last year, one of your sons this year. You have a great family in spite of you. And uh, I think... It's all because of your wife. That's called out kicking your coverage. Yes, you recruited well. My wife, my wife, I outkicked my coverage. Right, you recruited well in that situation. No doubt. Uh, I appreciate it. Merry Christmas, you guys, and enjoyed all you guys, and really appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you, man. We we uh, we love having you on. It's a great. We people just sat and listen to Doug uh, talk football all day. So thank you, Coach. Really appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Uh, There he goes, Doug Martin. So good, Philip. I mean, really good. Like. I mean, he. We, I wish he'd do the whole show because <laughs> I wouldn't have to do much. But I mean, he's just that good. Well, he's he's one of the few people that we have that is ex- 
as knowledgeable about the X's and O's as he is about the players and the coaches that are currently playing. You know, normally one guy's good at one and not as good right, at the other, right. and he and he's just the perfect balance. I, you can't even call him a jack of all trades because he's a master of all trades. Yeah, absolutely, well stated. All right, we're going to break. Uh, we'll come back and wrap up the show. Get you set for ECU basketball tonight. Uh, very Merry Christmas to Doug Martin, and we'll be right back. Oh, a little king going to break. I hear you, Pilk. All right, it is uh, talk. Uh, oh, jeez, it is the Patrick Johnson show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Okay. There we go. Get Pilk on it. Pilk, ever since the first day of the week, you have uh, improved dramatically with your holiday selections. Hey, that's the key. Look, there's only so many that are upbeat enough for the show, so you gotta, you just gotta start bad and then you know start a. There you go. And get them all in. I don't want to repeat stuff. No, you can't. That's a yeah. It's a very good point. All right. Uh, thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington, also Scotty Rogers today for his help behind the scenes. Scooter. Speaking of which, you'll hear Scooter tomorrow here on 94.3 The Game right at 1 o'clock. He and Rob Maloney, the former Conley uh, basketball coach and county AD here in Pitt County, will be on the radio call of ECU and Charleston Southern. So that's a 1 o'clock tip for the women tomorrow. Uh, we have ECU basketball for you tonight here on uh, 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT as it'll be ECU taking on Delaware State. Pirates uh, will try to get their seventh win of the non-conference uh, schedule. And uh, Ben Bayala a little questionable at this point with the uh, knee, but uh, as far as we know, everybody else should be good to go. So that's coming up this afternoon, or this evening, excuse me, uh, and uh, 6.30 will be the airtime 7 o'clock uh, tip. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, uh, 5 o'clock, and then 6 o'clock on Friday with our uh, Festivus for the Rest of Us show, which we're going to uh, do apparently earlier in the day Friday. So we'll be on the video platforms much like we are now. So we hope you'll join us one way or the other on the radio side or here. Uh, here. All right. I'm going to uh, bid you adieu. Uh, great job today, Pilk. Thanks to Doug Martin, too, by the way. Doug's awesome. Amazing. Yeah, the guy that you said you wanted to do the whole show, you almost forgot to thank him. I know. That was rough. That's why he should have done the whole show. Exactly. Uh, I'll be on the call tonight, ESPN Plus, with Cy Seymour. Looking forward to that. And uh, looking forward to being back here tomorrow for the Patrick Johnson Show. Also looking forward to tomorrow morning, Talk of the Town, 7 o'clock from these very studios here on uh, 103.7 WTIB Talk 96.3 and... Of course, the IBX Media app, which you can download right now, uh, goes on your Apple device, iPhone, tablet, iPad, other phone, whatever. Who, who makes that? Android. Android. Yeah, I had an Android. Weirdo this, Android yeah, people. they're weird. Don't you hate when you text somebody and there's one Android person in a group text? Yeah, and the other thing is, so we have. A, I have a lot of cousins. And uh, they can only have 20 total people in a group chat. So we have a few cousins that are like, there's a lot of us. My dad was the youngest of 11. I got you. Yeah. All right. uh, Back tomorrow. uh, Go Pirates tonight against Delaware State. Looking forward to seeing a lot of people out at the Coliseum. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Patrick Johnson. Have a great evening, everybody.